Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 940 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, May the 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every episode, of course. And please make sure to subscribe to, follow, rate, review, whatever the thing that the podcast provider of your choice asks you to do to the specific podcast you're listening to. Please do it for this podcast. It's very appreciated when you show the support. It's free to do and uh, really helps us with the rankings and all that good stuff. So thank you in advance. Also, just go a reminder that we got lots of stuff cooking on the Lockdown Podcast Network for you. If you're a baseball fan, for example, we've got the daily shows covering every team in the big leagues as well as Locked On MLB, our national show, which is great. And I highly recommend you tune on into those shows and support them the same way you would this one. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later on in the episode. And on today's episode, we are diving into a very inspiring, ultimately disappointing Raptors loss to the LA Clippers last night, 105-100. That just about renders the Raptors' play-in hopes zero. Uh, Yes, they play the Wizards on Thursday, but things are going to have to break in some sort of insane miracle fashion for the Raptors to make up three and a half games in the final six games, but that's okay. Last night had some fun positives to focus on, and we'll dive into that and a whole bunch more with today's guest uh, making uh, her first appearance on the podcast from Unbench Sports, a WNBA writer for Venus Sports as well, and CBC. It is Krina Mustafa. Krina, how's it going? Hi, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm kind of glad that was like the last late game of the season because I gotta lie, it's been so hard <laughs> keeping up. <laughs> Yeah, this has been, I'm glad that one of the games was on a Saturday when I'm up that late anyway, typically. And what am I saying? I live like a monster and I'm up late regardless. But um, (laughs) having to like be attentive that late was certainly uh, not a thing I'm used to. I'm usually deep in a video game by 12.50 p.m. So especially like the the 10.20 start, I don't know what the point, like what are we doing here? Because I think the the Bucks-Nets game ran a little late. And because they were on TNT, it got delayed. But uh, that was certainly not fun. (laughs) Yeah, not not the best. It reminded me a little bit of like the finals when every game was at nine, but actually like nine twenty, and like getting a seat at a bar to watch the finals was impossible, and you had to like sit down for five hours before the game before. uh, Oh my god! (laughs) To to get ready for it, yeah, real nightmare stuff. But either way, not the case last night because we can't go to bars anymore because we live in the hell times. Uh, (laughs) Let's uh, dive into this game here, Karina. We'll do what we do uh, to start off all of our Game Recap podcasts and uh, go through our biggest takeaways of the game, and I'll give you the floor. Karina, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' loss to the Clippers last night? Yeah, my biggest takeaway is that we need our bench to support our starters. Um, You'll Mm -hmm. see in the games that we do lose, our bench has been a little bit weak. And in the most recent games, I think it's been a little bit better. Obviously, you know, it kind of falls apart in the fourth quarter, as we've seen in literally almost every single game. 
but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, that, I think like for us, that's really the key because I think like our, our depth has been a key issue all year. We've, we've mm-hmm. kind of solved a little bit like the center problem because that was another issue. So I think now that's just kind of put into the spotlight, how much we need our bench and you can feel it with the absence of uh, Chris Boucher. Yeah. It's pretty rough stuff when your your depth is so depleted with you know four of your seven best players out of the lineup it's tough to overcome but at the same time you know you would hope that you can get something out of those bench lineups and to their credit in the second quarter that bench lineup was awesome the Flynn Gillespie Hood Bembry Harris I believe was the lineup they threw out there Fred might have been sprinkled in there as well um, staggered with those guys but they were really good in that second quarter and they sort of held serve that they didn't like blow anything away it's kind of the deal where you know like last year's bench for example where they would win their five minute stretches six to four because no one could score on either end it was a little bit like that um and even in the fourth quarter at the start they defended super well against the clippers it just they could not string together any offensive possessions whatsoever whatsoever without fred or siakam out there and it's just you know you you're asking for a lot to have a second straight game where Pascal Siakam and whichever healthy point guard you have, you know, to have them score enough points to kind of keep you afloat. That that's just asking a lot. And you know, Siakam and Fred did their part, and that kind of is my biggest takeaway in this game was that just that those two guys. It was really nice to see, particularly Fred, look like himself again. I mean, if you think about it, it's been over two months now since we've seen like peak Fred Van Vliet. You know, it seems like that Orlando game with the 54 points is so far in the past. And (laughs) like when the COVID thing hit at the start of March and, you know, all the fallout from that, you know, the the, the hip injury had the, you know, clearly not being 100% coming back from everything. Like it has been almost two months since we've seen Fred Van Fleet look like himself. And I'm just glad that we got a glimpse of it before the end of this season to kind of remind us all like, oh, yeah, no, Fred's really good. And the team is in very good hands going forward with him. This was one of his better creation games I've ever seen. 13 assists for him. Um, you know, three turnovers, not so bad with the usage that he had and the the guys who were defending him, frankly. You know, Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, all good defenders. I mean, Rondo when he wants to be. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, uh, you know, Fred was kind of carving up the Clippers. He was really probing in a way that just like it looked so methodical and like okay I'm gonna go here the defense is gonna pull this way and then boom I'm gonna make this pass to that guy and he's gonna be wide open it was just really clinical and um I don't know I I don't know if you felt this but it just was kind of refreshing to be reminded that Fred Van Vliet is in fact very very good Karina yeah yeah for sure and I like that you mentioned that we're seeing it now in kind of like the last several games before we go in before we go into into the offseason because I think Mm -hmm. that gives Raptors fans a lot of hope for how our team is going to be next season because at this point that is the focus so the fact that these last like couple of games we've it's kind of felt like the old Raptors in a way like it's yeah. it's felt fun again like even though we we've we haven't won all of them and we've gone one and three on this road trip I think every one of these games had something exciting to look forward to for the future and Van Vliet I mean his his jumper is just it's getting so much better and I I, I love to see him you know get back to where he was yeah totally um you're right this was a really fun road trip even with all the losses and that is the thing that is kind of getting me through all this is knowing probably things are going to be much better next season and I think that was kind of a a wide-held sentiment last night on Raptors internet was 
Like, look at this damn team and look at what they're going to be once they have everybody back. And, you know, Gary Trent's sort of a year further into his development and sort of getting comfortable with the team. And OG's continuing the OG breakout that's going on. And Siakam can carry over what he's been doing in the last two months of the season. And it, it is really exciting to think about where things could be, you know, six months from now. It sucks that, you know, things are very much on track to be over in a week and a half or whatever it is right now. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it is very nice taking those positives. Um, I do want to talk about Pascal Siakam a little bit. He got a little bit of heat late in this one for uh, a badly taken charge where he had, like, Ken Birch wide open in transition. Not so much wide open. He was there. I don't know if it was, like, as clear a read as people want to make it out to be. But instead of making the pass, he goes up, he takes a charge, or he gets called for a charge with Paul George getting in his way. Um, but otherwise... Really, nothing to complain about from Pascal in this game. A little inefficient, you know, 24 points on 24 shots. But with the attention the Clippers were paying him, I'll take that, honestly. You know, he was one of the only offensive threats on the floor. He's sharing the floor with Stanley Johnson and Utah Watanabe. And that's nothing against Utah in particular. But still, like, there's clearly a different level of attention that's going to be paid to Siakam when he's not out there with the other sort of core guys on the team. And I thought he persevered well. I thought, you know, usually when he kind of comes up against that extra attention, we've seen this throughout this season and in the past, he'll kind of curl up and, you know, he'll just kind of become passive. He won't shoot too much. Um, or he'll do the thing where he does the same thing over and over again. And it's like the square peg round hole thing, like it was with the Celtics <laughs> last year. And that's not good either. It was not that this time. He felt it out. He looked for the mid-range. You know, his three-point shot didn't fall, but had a couple more fall. And I think we're talking quite differently about how he played in this one. Um and I don't think we're talking negatively, at least if you have a brain. You know, there was like one <laughs> bad sequence and yeah. the rest of it was really, really nice. And it continues uh, a strong stretch here for Siakam. Um, what were your thoughts on his performance? And were you as offended uh, by the charge that he was called for <laughs> as much as the more sort of homely areas of Raptors Internet? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't as offended. But I think I think you nailed it. I think one of like some of my notes that I had when I was watching him is that I like that he was being aggressive and that he was actually trying to create because as you said before mm -hmm. when when he does get that attention he kind of tends to to curl up and and not try to go up against those guys so i even though like you said like it was he wasn't as efficient but i but i do like to see aggressive siakam i i think that's when he really uh, gets to show off his game and actually can improve from here yeah and the thing i keep thinking about with him and this really dawned on me last night and i tweeted about it but like through all of the bullshit, like with this year's, you know, ups and downs, the two and eight start where he looked completely out of sorts, the bubble, everything, the still like the development has still been very clear since things were shut down last March. And, you know, I tweeted last night, if you're picking between March twenty twenty Pascal Siakam, which if you remember was finished off with like a really brilliant game in Utah. Um, and a pretty good stretch of play after a bit of a downstretch, I suppose, in sort of the meat of the season. Even then, the downstretch, he was still a second-team All-NBA player, so it wasn't that bad of a downstretch. But even then, I, I would take May 2021 Pascal Siakam over that March 2020 version. The playmaking has become such a weapon for him. The uh, the, the different refinement of, of his scoring ability and the different levels he's scoring from. Like, it's just he's a different player. And yes, the numbers aren't quite as sexy, but he is, I think, overall, a, a much better basketball player, a much better guy to build your team around than he was 14 months ago, 
Would you agree with me on that, Karina? Or are you still sort of longing for that version of Siakam back from 2019-20 where he was bombing above the break threes and the three-point percentage was, you know, league average or better? You know, where, where are you at with sort of the choice between this hypothetical never-going-to-happen choice between May, March 2020 Siakam and May 2021 Siakam? Yeah, no, I think I'm on the same page as, as you. And I, I think it's important that he went through those struggles because now we've mm-hmm. seen you know, how does he come back from this? And I think that makes every single player when they go through struggles like that and they're able to grow from them, I think that makes them an even better player all around. So yes, I would definitely take May 2021 Pascal Siakam. Well, glad to hear I'm not uh, a crazy person and uh, a prisoner of the moment. That's always nice to have reaffirmed. Uh, we're going to continue on here and we're going to dive into some other notes from this game. I want to dive into the new Damar and Kyle Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris. Uh, we're going to talk about Jalen Harris in particular, getting his first real NBA contribution under his belt, his first big NBA game. We're going to dive into that. We'll dive into Flynn's struggles after winning Rookie of the Month for the last couple of games here and a bunch more. We'll get to that in one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Michelob Ultra and our Ultra Player of the Week. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And if you want to talk about basketball players on your Toronto Raptors that are bringing joy, happiness, enjoyment, glee, all those fun words to the Raptors conversation. It's Kyle Lowry. This week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Kyle Lowry. Of course, the 37-11 and 11 against the Lakers on Sunday. He was excellent against the Nuggets last week as well, if I recall. I can't remember any of the games these guys are playing in. I'm just going to assume he played against Denver, and I'm <laughs> going to assume he was awesome. Uh, he, you know, every chance to watch Kyle Lowry here and, you know, gets a bask in his greatness down the stretch is a treat. It's a treasure. It's something to uh, be savored because we don't know how much more we're going to get of it, but Kyle Lowry is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week on the strength of basically that Lakers win alone because he was so freaking good. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? With Kyle Lowry, you don't have to choose. He's going to make you happy and also make your team win. That's kind of the whole thing. Uh, And he's once again your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Big thanks to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Karina, let's continue on here and uh, dive into the bench boys. Malachi Flynn, Jalen Harris, uh, in particular, Jalen Harris, we should get to them. Both of these guys played um, in crunch time a little bit. They were sort of trying to carry things through the third and the fourth. Flynn, not an amazing game. Another quiet one for him. Just one point in the last two games after winning the player of the rookie of the month, uh, that a rookie of the month award he seemed like he was surprised to get. And uh, as he was talking about with Kate Burness uh, through last night's broadcast, you know, he thought he didn't play super well over the last month or so, which uh, bless his heart. He was really good. That's uh, it's a nice little honor for him. Well, let's dive into Jalen Harris here. We get to see him in sort of real action for the first time outside of just sort of ceremonial minutes in the Jazz and Lakers games. He was actually counted upon in this game. He played into crunch time. I probably would have kept him on the floor even later into the game. Karina, what were your thoughts on Jalen Harris' 11.4 of 4, 3 of 3 from deep night for the Raptors in his first, uh, I guess, extended run with the team? Yeah, it feels like every time he checks into the floor, like immediately drills a three, which is just so (laughs) impressive, like every single time. And I remember like the first bucket that he made that wasn't a three and people were like, whoa, (laughs) because they're so used to him (laughs) taking threes. But yeah, I think he really helped us in in those moments where it seemed like the Clippers were starting to pull away and then Harris would come in, drill a three, 
bring us back up there and keep it. And I, and I said at the end, I think it was at the end of the th- third quarter when he, when he tied the game at 82, 82. And I tweeted about it and I was like, this three is crucial. Mark my words. I mean, uh-huh. nobody should take anything I say on Twitter seriously, but <laughs> I do think it was important because otherwise the, like we would have been down and the Clippers would have pulled away much earlier than they did uh, in the fourth quarter. So I think it's, mm-hmm. I've really, I'm glad he's been able to play now because he's been out for so long with injury problems. And I think the reps in the G league, like even with Balakai, even though he's been struggling lately, I think it's really benefited them both. And I'm, I'm really excited for this future with them. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's overstating it to say that, you know, a stretch like this from Jalen Harris, where he's showing some things could in fact, like save his job going into next season and get him a job on this team. He does not currently have a contract that extends into next year. He's auditioning and obviously he'll probably get summer league if that goes down to to work on things as well in the preseason. But these are valuable games. I kind of said it yesterday on the podcast. This is like another preseason to evaluate what next season is going to look like and what the back part of the roster is going to be. And if Jalen Harris is going to come in and bang threes like he did last night, then there's no reason not to have him back and to sort of further invest in his development. Um, you, know, you don't want to get too carried away. He's a G League rookie who it was the 59th overall pick, who is not 6'5". I, <laughs> I don't know why the, the broadcast is peddling is these true? lies. Because he uh, yeah. doesn't seem that tall. He looks shorter than Fred on camera, but on Basketball Reference, he's listed at 6'5". They said he was 6'5 on the broadcast. There's no way it's true. Uh, I was DMing with a noted G League aficionado and guy who cares about this stuff, Blake Murphy, last night, and he said it's been bothering him uh, since the G League bubble because he was listed 6'5 there, too. Um, I believe it was at Hoop Goose who let me know that at the Combine, he was measured 6'2 and like three quarters in uh, it without shoes. So I guess okay. he's wearing some large platforms, but good for him. Uh, anyone who can kind of get away with the grift of being taller than they are, I, I support it. I just think it's pretty brazen when like there's very clearly fred kyle and flynn to compare height to and he's claiming six five when he's <laughs> maybe a, like a, a hair taller than them it's a it's a pretty cool move i guess if you can get away with it it's just i don't think i would ever be that brazen it's like me <laughs> standing next to og ananobi and being like i'm ripped and cut <laughs> uh, it would be a lie and a very easily exposed one um but you're right that three he made at the end of the third i i saw that tweet i think i liked that tweet it felt uh, very prescient, honestly. It was among the big shots in the game for the Raptors. It was right up there with like Fred's sequence in the third quarter when it was 71-71. He turns it over right at the timeout and then comes back and bangs a pull-up three and then hits like a high arcing English layup off the glass over Nick Batum. Like Those felt like pivotal baskets, and that was much how I felt with the Jalen Harris one. And I would have kept him in longer, Karina. I I was disappointed he came out when he did. And this kind of gets to a gripe I've had for a little while here. And, you know, look, Nick Nurse has done a really good job. The fact that he's sort of managed to make this team a positive point differential team, despite everything going on, and he's got these weird-ass lineups that are dedicated to the memory of the G League, like playing (laughs) significant minutes, it's really impressive that he's been able to make it sort of work and pull out some close games and wins here but I don't understand the Stanley Johnson thing whatsoever he doesn't figure as a long-term part of the plans I don't know why he played 33 minutes last night I don't know why he started last night and I certainly don't know why he closed yes his defense was good and you know he did a good job on Kawhi as as the first sort of option but 
they were always bringing help. They were never putting him on an island. They were doing the thing where they send multiple guys the way of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and you know that ultimately burned them in the form of Marcus Morris a lot of times, but it, it was a pretty effective strategy. And I just don't know if you needed Stanley Johnson to be part of that. You could have had Utah be the sort of primary on, on Kawhi and maybe stick Paul George or Siakam on Paul George or whatever and, and rearrange it. I just thought the lack of offense in the fourth quarter was so glaring. And Jalen Harris, while you're not really going to have him create much, he's also probably going to take his threes pretty willingly and he's probably going to make some of them. And I thought he earned some extra run to close that game. I would have closed with the starters with Jalen in place of Stanley Johnson. And even if you think Stanley Johnson's a better player than Jalen Harris right now, if you're in the development mindset, you should be closing with Jalen Harris over Stanley Johnson. Unless they're like lining up to give Stanley Johnson more years and money after this, which I don't know why they would, it just doesn't really compute to me that you're playing him 33 minutes while Jalen Harris gets 13 and Malachi Flynn gets 13. It just, it feels a little bit misguided. What were your thoughts on Harris, whether he should have closed? And are you also as fed up with the Stanley Johnson experience as I am? Well, I'll tell you, in my notes, I have Stanley, 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 in brackets, ugh. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I agree. Like, in the fourth quarter, it was, especially near the end, it was so obvious that we didn't have that offense that we needed to close it out. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that if you take Stanley out, I don't think it's the end of the world in terms of the defensive side. But, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, I would not have Stanley closing it out and, you know, like you said, at this point in the season, I'd rather have those young guys on the floor developing because Stanley's future with the with the Raptors, not entirely sure about. And I would have loved to see Jalen Harris kind of continue to to prove um, his game and the way that he was he was playing. I felt like he probably deserved to be there. Yeah, this is the thing is like. Playing Stanley Johnson doesn't check either of the boxes you could hypothetically be trying to check, right? There's the, oh, we're trying to win this game and keep alive in the play-in and, and keep all hopes alive until the last possible minute ahead of that Wizards game, the last chance saloon, as Nick Nurse has called it. Like, There's that side of things that Stanley Johnson doesn't cover because he's actively taking away from the effectiveness of the team when he's on the floor. I'm just pulling it up now what his on-court net rating is this season. It can't be good. I know I don't know if the top, top of my head here. Um, and please forgive me as I clumsily click around uh, <laughs> uh, basketball or the NBA.com site here, but he doesn't check that box, and he also doesn't check the box of we're trying to develop and figure out what we have in-house for, for next season. It just doesn't line up. His net rating this season, in 822 minutes, he's a negative 6.6 net rating per 100 possessions. Uh, that is in line with uh, where Matt Thomas was at minus 7.7, and then the only guys below that are Rodney Hood, Alex Lennon, Patrick McCaw. He doesn't oh, affect winning when he's on the floor. It's just, it's not happening. And there's not some sort of underlying, oh, look at this sneaky value of Stanley Johnson thing happening. It's just non-existent. And so I uh, I disagreed with him closing this game. And to use a small sample and poach it for my argument, uh, J- Jalen Harris, 45 minutes played this season, a plus 27.5 net rating, the best on the <laughs> team. So obviously he should be closing <laughs> and probably running the offense, uh, given that number. I joke. Um, <laughs> we're going to continue on and wrap up here uh, with, with Karina in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the world. And you know they're the best because they're willing to sort of pick and choose and whittle down their list of flavors. And they have done so. They have now whittled their list down to the nine most delicious flavors in their lineup 
coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and they also continue to have those wonderful, delicious, limited time flavors floating around as well. There's something for everybody, and you may not even know. You go to the site and like, oh, wait, there's that new flavor there. I haven't tried that. I'm going to fire that bad boy up. You can do that very easily at BuiltBar.com. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box as well, where you get two of each of the nine flavors, and then can decide which one you want to order a full box of. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most flavors has 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. If you want to get a little more indulgent, you can go for one of the ones with 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Still not indulgent at all compared to like a Snickers. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry, the mint brownie, whatever it is you like. But before Mother's Day, you can get uh, Built Bars for your mom. It's a great little idea. Maybe your mom is, uh, is a person who's like physically who's active, who's a cyclist or whatever it might be. These are a great thing to have before you go for a workout because they give you the energy, but don't bog you down. Uh, most moms, I know, love a Built Bar. My mom loves a Built Bar. Send her a box and be sure uh, to get her your favorite and make sure you, you vet her for those favorites beforehand. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Go to Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. And uh, right now, there's tons of stuff to bet on. You've got baseball, basketball, the NHL playoffs are coming up. The two remaining legs of the Triple Crown still have to go after the Kentucky Derby this last weekend. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on, which means if you put in hundred bucks, you get 150 bucks into your account to start out with. That's a great deal. Go to betonline.ag right now, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we wrap up here on today's podcast, and uh, I want to get into we'll get into the uh, the play-in race and the status, and also a tankathon sim of the day in just a second here. But this is something I wanted to talk to you, Karina, about. Not really on-court related, but the Clippers, they've been, I would say, a a favorite of people who love to hate in Toronto Raptors circles for the last little while. Um, They're very easy to make fun of, of course. I'm curious, has like the the animosity towards the Clippers that was very clearly at a height last year as the Raptors were, you know, winning more games than the Clippers, going deeper in the playoffs and the Clippers, all that stuff, did, did the sort of... Has that hatred worn off for you? Was it ever even there for you? Are you rooting for the success of Kawhi, which is also a totally reasonable position, if maybe not a widely held one among Raptors fans? I'm curious where you're at with the Clippers and whether or not you're kind of like hoping they can do the thing this year or hoping once again that they crash and burn in hilarious fashion in round one or two. Yeah, that was me last year. Uh, a lot of <laughs> hatred for them last year, but, uh, you know, time, time passes and, you know, some, like most of that anger has, uh, simmered down and I've actually, <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, you know, I've, I've written about them a little bit and I've, I've had them pegged as like a team you shouldn't sleep on in the playoffs because I know a lot of people are still saying they're going to be a second round exit, things like that. I think I'm not as angry anymore. I don't know. I mean, unless unless Lowry sometimes somehow ends up on that team, Ugh. but I can Ugh. assure you my hatred will <laughs> come back. But uh, as of right now, it's I'm neutral. <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
it's weird because it's the guys from the Raptors, non-Patrick Patterson division, because uh, no thanks. <laughs> but, like, it's Kawhi and Serge. And, like, I like Avita Zubats. He's pretty fun. Even Paul George. I know it's so easy to make fun of Paul George, but, like, the ammo in the anti-Paul George agenda is really kind of running out. He's been so good this year. And I guess we'll see if he can hold it up in the postseason. But, you know, there's, like, a certain level of likability to the Clippers this season compared to last. I think because they're not talking about how much they did when they went to the first round and lost in, as an eight seed and, like, held that up as some sort of sign mm-hmm. of things to come. Uh, you know, that, like, just the talk all season long when they hadn't won anything, I think, was what really got to me. Um, we haven't seen the freak Steve Ballmer, like, going around and doing his <laughs> thing and, you know, scaring people that, <laughs> as that much man as he typically would. <laughs> oh, he's just the worst. But... Um, you know, we haven't seen him kind of trotting around. I guess the the pain of Lawrence Frank skulking around Scotiabank Arena has been sort of there's the time and distance has helped with that too. I still the thing with me is I don't like any of the Clippers role players whatsoever, and I actively dislike a lot of them. <laughs> like Demarcus Cousins, no thanks. I'll set there. Yep. Rajon Rondo, no thanks. All good for me. Reggie Jackson, eh, no, I'm good. Like Marcus Morris, any Morris brother is persona non grata for me. <laughs> Patrick Beverly, just the, the most annoying pest there is. Outside of like Nick Batum and Terrence Mann and Zubots, the role players on the Clippers are what co- sort of give me pause in the potential of me caring about them and wanting them to win. Um, but, you know, I'm rooting for Kawhi to have success and Serge as well. I-, I hope he gets back. It seems a little troubling if you're the Clippers that Serge has not played in months and there's five games left before the playoffs and you're still sitting there. Is he coming back? What's going on? Is he going to just adorn the sideline with uh, large leather jackets? If that's the case, you could do worse, I suppose. But, um, you know, it seems like a bit of a problem. But, yeah, the, the the pure just, like, hoping things crash and burn is probably not quite at the same levels. That said, if they lose in the first round of the Lakers, I will laugh extremely hard for the rest of time. <laughs> it will be very, very funny to me. Um, let's uh, take a quick note and, uh, and look at the play-in race. Karina, it seems a little unlikely that the Raptors are going to do the thing here. Three and a half games back. They get the Wizards on Thursday. The Wizards play tonight against the Bucks, so I suppose a loss tonight makes it three games, and then a win for the Raptors on Thursday makes it two games, and they have the tiebreaker in hand, but only five games left to play. It seems like the uh, the hopes of the play-in have been dashed here. Are you holding out any hope here, Karina, or are you turning your attention to the draft lottery entirely? Yeah, I'm not. Like, I think if you're a Raptor fan right now, I don't think you should hope that they make the play. And I think with everything that's that's happened this year and the fact that, you know, how we mentioned before, like we don't even know who's playing in certain games because it's kind of been just Mm -hmm. like this guy's out for the night or whatever it is, injuries, rest. And at this point, we missed the play in. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. We take the the offseason to recover and come back strong, maybe get a good pick in the lottery and I think at this point, you shouldn't be actively rooting for us to make the plan. And it's it's cutting it a little bit close. See, I still have a, a, a broken brain and I am like, but the playoff streak could continue. That's so important. <laughs> and like, who knows? And for me, like if it does happen at this point, it will be such a miracle that it went down. I think they're at like a 2% chance of making the playoffs or something like that. Um, it would be such like a crazy turnaround and miracle that I'd totally dig it and be all on board for it. 
Um, but again, once again, my, my brain is broken, and I have not yet uh, reconciled the Raptors not being good. It's probably unhealthy, but I, uh, <laughs> I will hang on till the very last second, I suppose. I mean, if the Wizards beat the Bucks tonight, and the Bucks played last night, so maybe they're a little exhausted, and the Wizards are playing out of their minds right now, I think for sure tomorrow's game doesn't really hold much weight, but... Um, because I am a monster, I will continue to <laughs> sort of hang on to that, any dangling thread of hope that a playoff berth could happen, just because I still believe, and we've seen this, even when they're completely depleted and missing most of their good players, this is a good basketball team that knows how to play basketball, they're adults, like, it still feels like something cool could happen here if things were to break the way they should, but this season has not brought anything that breaks the way it should, so perhaps giving up the dream is a good idea in the interest of giving up the dream Karina you are here we're gonna do the tankathon sim of the day yesterday was a successful one our eighth run through we currently are at the Raptors jumping up to fourth twice they are stay they've stayed at seven or eight five times and they've dropped down to tenth once uh so we're gonna fire up tankathon.com we're gonna spin the lottery uh Karina I ask you can you do the honors of a uh improvised drum roll okay <laughs> Can you hear that? I can't hear it, no. Uh, oh, but okay. maybe I can I, I can pot it up in post, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you there was a drum roll there, and we're going to sim the lottery right now. It's simming. And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Krina, the Toronto Raptors, off of a 26.3 chance to jump to the top four, and a 6% chance at the first overall pick with the eighth lowest, uh, eighth worst record in the NBA, have jumped up to number two. In the draft lottery, stop the count. It's over. The Raptors <laughs> pick second overall. Um, Kareen, I'm not sure how much of a draft person you are. I have yet to become a draft person this year. That's coming. I'm going to be uh, only talking draft for the next month and a half, I'm sure, or three months, whatever the hell. I don't know when the draft is. Um, but jumping up to second, who are you looking at there? Obviously, Cade Cunningham is uh, going to go number one. Evan Mobley's kind of the consensus pick at number two, but there's also Jalen Suggs there uh, and Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green. Maybe there's a surprise. Do you have a, a particular way you're leaning yet, or is that still something that uh, the draft process is going to bear out for you? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as much of a draft person. I've pretty much been relying on Robel for like all my information. And Hey, you know, same as this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, he's the expert here. And uh, at number two, I, I like Evan Mobley. And I and I think I remember when I first searched him up and his height, he's insanely tall. Uh, I mm -hmm. think we, we definitely need that size and uh, he could be someone. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm super into Evan Mobley among the guys who I like watched in the tournament, which again is the extent of my watching college basketball. Uh, he was bloody impressive. I love a center who throws cool passes and defends like a monster. It's kind of my thing. Uh, so I'm certainly not opposed to the idea of just taking Mobley where he's supposed to go at number two. I'm going to come at you with a bit of a curveball. If the Raptors get the number two pick, I think they should be looking to trade it and trying to turn that into a star trade. Carl Anthony Towns is an option. Uh, he's a guy I'd throw out there. Also, um, look, I don't know if the Thunder are ghoulish enough to do this, but they seem to not want to have good players and seem to love draft picks. And I wonder if you got the second overall pick and you called up Sam Presti in his little like dungeon where he's surrounded by like draft picks like a freak. I wonder if you said, here's the second pick. Give us Shea Gilgis Alexander. What he might say. He should oh. say no. He should but say no. <laughs> he, he like absolutely should say no, but Shea's up to get paid. 
And I wonder if uh, the ghoulishness, the the pick hoarding of Sam Presti might come through and you could land Shea Gilgis Alexander, who would be quite literally the perfect fit in the Raptors lineup uh, next to Fred, OG, and Siakam. This is a pipe dream, obviously, but the Thunder seem to know no bounds in the like the lows they will stoop to to collect draft picks. And after not playing Shea all season long, after having a foot injury that cannot have possibly been this bad, I wonder if like just to ensure they're bad again next season, he's just like, you know what? That second pick, Evan Mobley, we'll pair him with uh, all the guys we've given predatory contracts to, and we'll mm-hmm. ride into the sunset and be good in 2027. I wonder if that's the move here. Am I crazy? It, it, just the idea of trading the pick, Karina, is that something you've thought about? Um, yeah, I have thought about it. And the kind of conclusion that I reach every time is which team would be willing to give away a star for that pick if they were to get it. And, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Shea, if that would have, I would do it in a heartbeat, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, we, we have to beg the question, like how willing are teams to part with their stars to get a number two pick or whatever mm-hmm. pick we get? Um, I think that's the ultimate question. Yeah. It's uh it's deeply unlikely. Um, you know, you need, I think, a team with a distressed star. And the thing with Towns is, you know, I was kind of looking at Towns as a potential guy to try to go after just because of the fit with the Raptors, um, how perfect it would be. But the, the Wolves seem to maybe have something with him and Anthony Edwards. So uh, I wouldn't bank on the Raptors trading this pick. It's just something that I think they should look into to see if they can capitalize on some team getting excited by the mystery box when they have the good player already on hand. Um, but that, uh, I think, is a good place to leave this. Karina, thank you so much for, for jumping on the podcast today. Uh, please tell people where they can find you. And uh, plug Unbench Sports, please, uh, because uh, <laughs> take it over the world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Karina MM. And of course, follow Unbench Sports, which is an all-female run sports platform by a bunch of female student journalists. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at Unbenched underscore. We also recently started a TikTok account where we will be posting content. We've posted some introductions to our team. That is at Unbench Sports. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It was lovely having you, Krina, and uh, I look forward to having you on the podcast again sometime if I haven't scared you away forever. (laughs) Uh, That's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Huge thank you to Krina for jumping on the show. You can find me at Woodley Sean, of course. Uh, Subscribe to, rate, review this podcast. Also listen to uh, Basketball, my other podcast with Katie Heindel. Tomorrow's episode of Locked On Raptors is going to be a fun one. I'm going to be joined by Cadence Weapon, Toronto rapper. Just an album uh, album came out last week uh, called Parallel World. Go listen to the album before tomorrow's podcast. It's your homework as the listener. Uh, and Cadence Weapon, an enormous Raptors fan, and uh, one of the more famous guests we'll have on the podcast uh, is going to come on tomorrow. It's going to be great. I can't, uh, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to it. I've already been sent photos of him in Raptors gear the night the Raptors won the title to use in promotional materials. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a blast. Uh, So that's coming up on Thursday. And then Friday, Javon Shepard from CBC, from uh, former Canadian national teamdom, all of that. He is going to jump on after the Wizards game, and we're going to break that one down. The last chance saloon, once again, as Nick Nurse has uh, ever so eloquently called it. Uh, That's going to do it. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.